Hello, everybody. It's Dave Neal, stand-up comic and host of Bachelor Nation News. We've got all of your entertainment commentary in one place. We've got Adele getting jock itch in Vegas. Yeah, that's a story. And a selling sunset surgery happening. Dirks Bentley takes his daughter bra shopping, plus Bachelor Father's Day stories. This and more on today's Bachelor Rush Hour. Oh, yeah, we got it all for you, folks. It's a federal holiday. We don't have too many people out there working. Stock markets are closed. No drama today, just a Monday. If you're out there, uh, I don't know, tilling the land, breastfeeding, mowing the lawn, uh, cleaning out your sock drawer, I don't know what you're doing, but if you're out there listening, we want to thank you so much. And by we, I mean me. Thank you guys all so much. And I'm going to play a Jason Tartik clip today. He snapped back at some audience that were like, where's Caitlin? And he gave the uh, the geo-coordinates of his fiance. If you need to give the geo-coordinates of your fiance, I say you've, uh, you, you've got a very interested fan base. So we'll get into all that and uh, more. But I first wanted to start with an, uh, a little bit of education on what's going on out there with the day. That's right. It's June 19th. If you combine June and 19th, you get Juneteenth. And it's a national federal holiday. And not everyone knows what it is. So, hey, why not right now discuss a little bit of June 19th? Maybe you got the day off of work and you don't know why. Well, let's talk about it now. So, a uh, quick little uh, 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 preface to June 19th here. I'm just going to read a verbatim so I don't mess this up. On Freedom's Eve, on the eve of January 1st, 1863, the first watch night services took place. On that night, enslaved and free African Americans gathered in churches and private homes all across the country, awaiting news that the Emancipation Proclamation had taken effect. At the stroke of midnight, prayers were answered as all enslaved people in Confederate states were declared legally free. Union soldiers many of whom were black, marched onto plantations and across cities in the South, reading small copies of the Emancipation Proclamation, spreading the news of freedom in Confederate states. Yeah, they didn't have Twitter. You know what I mean? You had to go from plantation to plantation and reading the proclamation. Only through the 13th Amendment did emancipation end slavery throughout the United States. But not everyone in Confederate territory would immediately be free. Even though the Emancipation Proclamation was made effective in 1863, it could not be implemented in places still under Confederate control. As a result, in the westernmost Confederate state of Texas, enslaved people would not be free until much later. Freedom finally came on June 19, 1865. So look at that, two and a half years later. When some 2,000 Union troops arrived in Galveston Bay, Texas, the Army announced that the more than 250,000 enslaved black people in the state were free by executive decree. This day came to be known as Juneteenth by the newly freed people in Texas. All right, folks. Well, maybe we learned something here today. You know, history is something that is not taught the same in every state. We know that. And I can tell you right now off the top of the bat, I never had heard Juneteenth until the last few years. But, jeez, um, I, I guess better late than ever. But here we are, a country that's evolving and still learning. And, you know, I mean, not to get into the whole education system, but I just hate that some states can teach certain things and some states can teach others. And when you talk about rewriting history, it's like, how about it wasn't even written in the first place in some ways, you know? 
uh, they always say history is written by the winning side. Uh, but uh, let's just hope that we can keep on pursuing the idea of freedom, even if we're not exactly there. And I know you might say, oh, Dave, what are you even getting at? We're, we're a land of the free and, you know, other countries are have it worse or this or that. But we're still controlled by the upper class, the people that own all the property and the corporation. There's so many ways in which we don't have independence on a financial level and independence of ideas and so many different things. And let's just keep pursuing that. Right, folks? All right. Some entertainment news to get into. And, you know, I, if you disagree with that, it's like, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Texas is supposed to be the the uh, the Lone Star State. They're supposed to be the state that, uh, that wants freedom. And today we celebrate the freedom of those 250,000 slaves that for two and a half years after Emancipation Proclamation still were not free. All right, I'm going to take a hard left turn with some other content. Actually, you know what? Let's do a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll get to the J-Lo story where she shared a shirtless photo of Daddy Ben Affleck right after this. And as promised, we've got a post-Father's Day uh, entertainment story to get to. J-Lo shares shirtless picture of Daddy Ben Affleck in steamy Father's Day tribute. We love you. And I got to tell you, I don't know if he's still sober or just uh, doing better with his life, but uh, Ben Affleck is looking mighty good and mighty happy to his uh, once fiance J-Lo. Are they married now? They got married, right? Uh, so she, she posted, Daddy appreciation post. Happy Father's Day, Papa. The Grammy nominee wrote on Instagram on Sunday and happy Father's Day to all the amazing papas out there. We love you and appreciate you more than you will ever know. Yeah, I mean, they're in again in the bachelor world there. And, and it's and then she posted this selfie of Ben Affleck. You know, hey, he's got a six pack. He's looking ripped. Uh, good on him. Good on him. And good on all the other fathers in the Bachelor Nation world. We've got Michael A., of course, from Katie Thurston's season. His lady, Danielle, wrote this. Happy Father's Day to this freaking studly man. Good grief, she wrote. You literally do it all and don't get or take enough credit for the incredibly witty, cute, yellow, loving, smart... What is yellow loving? Smart, silly, crafty, unmarcusy human you are. Every kid deserves a dad like you at Michael A. Love you big time. And, of course, it's a photo of... Michael A. with his son and Danielle being a very fantastic stepmom energy there. In other news, I, I made a YouTube video based on this, but we're just going to uh, blow through it here uh, because I can't get all of I can't get to all of the YouTube content here on the podcast uh, as this is a summarization summarization summarizing of what's going down out there. But we've got Jason Tartik responding to a Q and A, and uh, he said, "Ask me anything." And someone said, "Where is Caitlin?" Here is Jason Tartik's response. Currently 6.09 p.m. Central. Happy 6.09. At this current state of moment, she is currently at quadrant 11 by 11 longitude and 19 by 45 latitude seeing her godchild Chandler. By the way, that's not latitude and longitude. Isn't it like 17.239? But either way, I, you know, I respect that. I respect that bit. Seeing her godchild Chandler with her best friend Kat Campbell at roughly around 8.01 with four seconds. She'll pull back into our driveway at roughly around 8.00. 37 after seeing the dogs throwing the ball and coming back in she'll pour her first class of spade and sparrows at roughly 8:54. we're going to take our first plate of dinner tonight at roughly 9:12, we're going to start a game of monopoly deal 9:46 is the projected time for yahtzee probably with a bedtime around 11:02 because tomorrow actually we have an early start so there it is. Jason Tartik plays Yahtzee with Caitlin Bristow. And of course, to summarize the video I made on YouTube, it's nobody's business what they do. And just because they don't share the details of their wedding planning or whatever. And, you know, I mentioned this, you know, I, I did Caitlin Bristow's podcast off the vine and met Jason and we had a nice chat in their kitchen. They seem like a perfectly normal 
couple, but we just have this curiosity as Bachelor fans to want to see if there's any cracks in the armor of the Bachelor relationships that go on. And so many, so many couples, I mean, every single couple is speculated on so that when one does fail, people go, oh, you see, we were right. It's like, well, what about the ones you weren't right about? You know what I mean? What about those ones? So either way, um, very interesting and exhausting response from Jason as he gets these in his DMs all the time. And I'll tell you what, you, I, you can't even understand how annoying it must be for them because I get DMs. Dave, you went over there. What do you think of this? Or uh, what do you, you know, it's just like nonstop people wanting, I don't know, tidbits of info they just might not be privy to. Let's do this some not let's go to some non-bachelor world stuff. And also I've got in my future content today, I don't know if I mentioned it earlier, will be Rachel Lindsay being interviewed by Chelsea Vaughn. It's a very fascinating interview. I've got that full interview coming up for you in a second. Unfortunate story. Amanda Bynes detained by police, evaluated for mental health amid ongoing struggles. Yeah, I don't know why she has to get detained by police. She's clearly got wild. I mean, she was in a psychiatric hold. She's got a lot of mental health issues. This shouldn't be a police issue. You know, this should be an issue that's more handled by, you know, uh, counselors that can get her the help that she so desperately needs. Amanda Bynes was detained by police over the weekend and taken into custody for a mental health evaluation. According to TMZ, who was first to report the news, LA police department officers handcuffed Bynes Saturday morning after receiving a call from a woman who was in distress. That woman was determined to be Bynes, Per the outlet, the 37-year-old actress was taken to a police station where a medical unit was standing by to perform an evaluation to determine if she needed further treatment. In photos shared by TMZ, a handcuffed Bynes can be seen being led into the back of an LAPD cruiser, one of three that was sent to Bynes' location. She tells the outlet that um, eyewitnesses tell the outlet that the She's the Man star was calm during the interaction with police but looked defeated as they dealt with her. So a very sad story there. Um, we've got the photos up if you're watching on Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Neal. So not sure if she was sent to a hospital, but, you know, really hope that she can get um, help and, 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 you know, I mean, I guess like, again, I, I think there's better solutions than having to call 911, you know, for these issues, but that seems to be the best resource that exists right now. So good on her for at least knowing and having that window of sanity to, uh, to ask for help. Now, Taylor Swift's dad is in the news. He had no knowledge prior to making $15 million in her music catalog sale, sources say. So uh, Taylor Swift's dad made a hefty penny. And whenever there's like, you know, man, dad managers or mom managers, people always side eye them. Like, are you pimping your kid out? But of course, you know, you think your parents have your best interest. Tay Tay, Taylor Swift's music catalog sale is in the spotlight once again after Music Business Worldwide published a report claiming that Taylor's dad, Scott Swift, made 15 15 million on the highly publicized sale of her music catalog to Scooter Braun. A source tells ET that the elder Swift was unaware of the planned action despite any profit he made from it. So yeah, what happened was she sold uh, all of her, her whole catalog was sold to Scooter Braun. So she no longer has rights to those songs. So she's essentially re-recorded all of those songs. A source close to the negotiations tells ET that the drama began 48 hours before Scooter's purchase of Scott Borchetta's big machine label group, which was made public in 2019. The source notes that since Scott Borchetta controlled 90% of the stock, the sale, which reportedly rang in at $300 million, was a foregone conclusion. Taylor's rep reiterates as much, telling ET 
entity, there was a shareholder phone call that Scott Swift did not participate in due to a very strict NDA that bound all shareholders and prohibited any discussion at all without risk of severe penalty. Yeah, so isn't that wild? Taylor Swift didn't even have control over her own music. And since the news of the deal broke, Taylor has blasted it, claiming that she wasn't told about Scooter's purchase before it became public and was never given a chance to buy her own music, an allegation that Scott Porchetta has denied. Taylor has stuck to her story, and now her rep tells E.T. Taylor found out from the news articles when she woke up before seeing any text from Scott Porchetta and did not call her in advance. In the wake of the drama, Taylor announced that she would re-record her first six albums in an effort to own her music. She has since released a Taylor's version of Fearless and Red and is set to put out her version of Speak Now on July 7th. So isn't this amazing? She, rather than just let the you know let it go that she got stiffed by big record labels, she decides to re-record the songs, which of course she wrote, so they're her songs. Uh, she just didn't have control over the masters, right? So now she gets to re-release. She's going to rewrite, re-remember, re-perform all of the songs, and then all of her fans can buy the quote-unquote Taylor's version, which is the new version. So good on her for that. Very smart. All right, let's jump over to Selling Sunset. We have Amanza Smith undergoing second surgery to replace part of her spine after blood infection. Selling Sunset star Amanza Smith undergoing second surgery. She said, I'll be going in for my second surgery in the next few hours. She said on Instagram, part of my spine has completely deteriorated due to the infection and I'll be getting a new vertebrae and a couple of screws and rods in my spine to replace what has been eaten away from the bacteria. So scary story there, but uh, hope that she's okay. And in a nice father-daughter story, we have Dirks Bentley, country musician Dirks Bentley, goes bra shopping with 12-year-old daughter. Hey, very nice that he's showing support to his daughter, if you will. Uh, he said in it, quotes, we need your mom. He's getting candid about parenting his 12-year-old daughter. The country singer took to TikTok on Sunday to share an awkward moment while shopping with his daughter, Jordan. Well, rather than me say it, let's hear what he had to say. What are these? I believe that's a bra. Obviously. So, so he's in a Victoria's Secret with his daughter. She goes, what are these? He goes, it's a bra. She goes, duh. And they're just walking around. Oh, poor Dirks. I mean, how many daughters does he have? He's got a whole batch of kids, right? A whole binder full of daughters, if uh, if you're Mitt Romney here. And um, how sweet that he's taking his daughter bra shopping. Happy Father's Day to Dirks. Lightly lined? No, we need the bra tops. All right. So he's looking at him. He goes, lightly lined. There's wonder bra, push-up bra, uh, fantastic bra, uh, no nude, uh, no sleeve, uh, whatever, the, you know, different types of bras. So either way, you learn a lot, I guess, when you have daughters. Don't have any, but I tell you what. Oh, man, if I'm telling you. I will rock it in the father-daughter ballet class if they ever let me in. I'm coming for you. I'm going to I'm gonna be just nimble on the toes. All right. So anyway, that's Dirks, and he is celebrating or celebrated Father's Day with a very, uh, very cute TikTok there. And we'll jump into the Rachel Lindsay, uh, Chelsea Vaughn interview right after a quick word from our sponsor. Okay, so we're back, and we've got Rachel Lindsay. She's on Chelsea Vaughn's podcast. It just dropped today. Go on YouTube and check out that full episode. If you just search Chelsea Vaughn on YouTube. But we covered it. Uh, we actually had kind of like a 19-minute version of this. I'm going to give you the 10-minute version. And it's just Rachel Lindsay candidly talking about her life after Bachelor and how she, uh, you know, what other reality shows she watches and um, pay disparity, pay transparency, transparency and uh, some other topics. You're going to like it. Have a listen kind of misses how heavily involved you were in Bachelor franchise because 
not because here's the thing. So Rachel, sorry, she cut off the I cut off the question. Uh, Rachel Lindsay says she does not miss being involved in Bachelor Nation. Also, remember Chelsea Vaughn was on Matt James season. Rachel Lindsay was initially on Nick Viel's. and not because I'm above it. I love reality TV. Same. I do a podcast that is all about Bravo shows. Okay, Andy Cohen doesn't even introduce me as on the things that I do. He says super. Bravo fan, Rachel Lindsay. I <laughs> love it. I am not above reality TV. I didn't watch The Bachelor before. Mm. It wasn't my cup of tea. So to have to watch the show after and be involved in comment, I just don't, I never liked it. I never did. I have an appreciation for it because I understand it in a completely different way now, mm -hmm. but it's just not my show. So I like not having to watch and be involved with it. That's all. It's not yeah. personal. It's just, it's just not my style. And I struggle when I make these videos because I know some people in the comments section will just say such negative things about Rachel Lindsay. It's like she's just one of those characters on the show that people either really get her and, and enjoy her or they or they don't. But I have to say, I mean, there's nothing uh, negative about what she's saying. She's like, it was just in the show I watched. You know what I mean? It's just not for me. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't watch any of the love shows except Love is Blind. I watched for the first time this season. I don't watch Love Island. I don't watch The Circle. I, is, is that even a love show? I don't watch any of them. So it's not even particular to The Bachelor. I don't watch 90 Day Fiance, any of it, none of it. Wait, that's so funny because we're absolutely opposite because I love reality TV also, but it's all the love shows. Like yeah. I'm Love Island, Love is Blind. I, um, what's the other one? Married at First Sight. And I don't watch like no. the Bravo ones or like Selling Sunset. I'm the love show girl. And I see, did watch I The Bachelor. Selling Sunset. I watch, yeah. I see the, yeah, see, so to each their own. So that's why I have a quick no. It's not even what, all that I dealt with, even though I don't want to deal with the audience because it's just I gotten to a point where there's just such a, the, the negative negativity just became so loud that yeah. I wanted to step away. But I also just don't like the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think what she's trying to say is she doesn't like the show. I think we get the point there. Okay, let's go to the 2040 mark here and check out the next clip. And I think that, and I think that no, my homegirl and I from the show, Ashton and I always say, you can't buy cool. Like you can't, you can't be like, I hate when people make drinking a personality. I hate when people make one thing like the bachelor whatever there's so you were a whole person before you came on this show yeah. why is now this the only thing that's defining you i don't like that because you're lame i'm sorry <laughs> you are now you have to use i did start out using what people knew of me and i think that was important so two things I didn't shut down the bachelor and say, I'm too good for it. I'm the first black bachelorette. I don't need this. People know me as the bachelorette. I have a connection to this. So I'm going to build my brand off of certain things that are about me and the bachelorette. So Now, to defend lame people, because we don't know who she's talking about, not, and again, not everybody has um, 
a skill set that makes them thrive on social media. Not everybody's personable and charismatic and can host red carpet events and things like that. So I don't I don't know if people's personality changes after they go on the show. I have no idea. I just have to imagine if you're the type who doesn't have, say, a strong niche that, you know, type of content you cover after, maybe you only post Instagram photos of you out at the bar with your friends because that's the only time you post photos. I don't know. So I don't, I don't know if that makes other people lame. Uh, and again, I'm not really sure who she's talking about. Let's finish the clip and maybe we can get some clues. Oh, one thing that I think a lot of people coming off the show get caught up in is they don't have a vision mm. of where they want to go and what they want to be. It's like, oh, I want to host or, oh, I want to act. And there's no like, okay, so how am I going to make that happen? That's the end goal. What are the steps that I need to do to get there? A lot of times it's easy so much. You know, when you come off the show, so much is thrown at you. Yep. And it's easy to take the low-hanging fruit. I'm going to be on this show. I'm going to be just take every deal that comes my way rather than standing, like not being afraid to say no, mm-hmm. because there is the desire to want to be relevant and keep that relevancy going because you know in six months another another group is coming in. That's fascinating. It's a fascinating way to look at it. And it, and it. and it does show that some people do come off desperate after being on the show. We love to talk about, you know, the influencer culture and how it pertains to these contestants. But yeah, if you don't strike while the iron is hot, you will be replaced. Rachel Lindsay's lucky that she was not just on the show the Bachelor, but also became a lead of the show. So she was able to acquire a very large following that a lot of contestants aren't getting anymore. And I'm not saying that that's like unearned or whatever, but there was a heyday where, you know, if you were Hannah Brown or Rachel Lindsay, you'd get up to high six figures, seven figures. And now, I mean, and maybe this will change, but like Zach Shall Cross could only get a couple hundred thousand Instagram followers. So brands just wouldn't give him the opportunities that others were given. But you do have to, like, she does offer great, great advice that if you go on the show, like, what do you want to become? You could go on the show and want to become a bikini top designer, and that's all you focused on, and that'd be great. But if you go on the show and they're just, I don't know, um, sort of like um, uh, rudderless in your direction, like anything in life, how is the universe going to know what to give you if you don't know what you want? And I think the funny part is that people go on the show because they don't know what they want. They usually don't have, uh, and again, this uh, actually isn't Rachel because she, she had a, you know, she was a practicing lawyer, but a lot of people go on the show because they don't have a clear direction in life and they go, well, I guess I'll kill some time and pick up some Instagram followers. But then when the show's over, they still don't have a direction they want to go in and not everybody's built out to be a host or a power podcaster or whatever. And say, I want to be on TV. I want, you have such a mm. cool job. <laughs> I want to do what you do. And I'm like, if you saw me, like, I just got this. I, yeah. I, you know, I got, first off, it's been six years since I've been off The Bachelorette and seven since The Bachelor. So this didn't just happen for me. I'm- okay, so Rachel's speaking to the idea that people see where you are, not how you got there. And they say, oh my gosh, I want everything you have. And you go, hold on a second. You don't know what that was like. You know, a lot of people will get, uh, you know, when they find out how much my channel makes, they'll kind of get weird about it. And they'll be like, oh, so you make all this money, blah, blah, blah. They don't think about the years spent uh, minimum wage jobs and driving uber and taking gigs and auditioning and practicing my craft and the seven years of never making a penny on my other podcast and all the little things that help sort of build the wiring 
You know, we talk about this. There's a book called The Talent Code, and it's about the idea. It's a, it's this is a side tangent here for anyone who's trying to like build a creative life or something you want. You have to get your brain hardwired to think a certain way, to act a certain way, to be good at what you do, and that's not something that normally comes supernatural for people. There'll be natural aspects of maybe being charismatic or conversational or inquisitive about certain things that can help you with whatever career you want to get into, but then you have to work on that. Not many people come out of the womb as virtuosos. So when you see someone like Rachel Lindsay, who seems to have it all together, it's like, hold on a second. Imagine how long and hard she spent learning uh, law to become a lawyer, studying the bar, working and prosecuting her points and, and all the mock trial aspects of that, how that applies to where she is now. She wasn't just gifted this. She had everything she needed so that when the opportunity came, she opened the door. I went back and practiced law for two years. That's all you Yeah, like after the bachelorette, I didn't finish I was still an attorney. I was in trial as I was being announced for The Bachelorette. And then I didn't stop practicing till like the very end of December of 2018. So 2019, I started fresh. Um, but I went back. And I think that's a lot that people don't see. They just see what I'm doing now. And they don't realize I didn't get a full-time job on TV until four years after The Bachelor, the first time people saw me. Mm. So like, it takes time to build it. And you just have to trust in yourself, believe in yourself, and just really stay dedicated to, to that. Yeah. It's great advice. This is really good advice, guys. I mean, you know, this idea that we have that you just like go viral on TikTok and make it or whatever. Every comedian I know knows this. I'm 11 years into stand up and things are starting to go well. August 24th, I'll be in Seattle. I've got other show days, but um, I'll have that. I'll have those ticket links up pretty soon. We're going to have a good meet and greet after. But it is true. The iceberg, it is mainly under the surface. It is the work you do when no one's watching. It is those blood, sweat and tears, crying, calling your mom, uh, having friends that, uh, you know, believe in you, but that, you know, rooting you on. It is that marathon that when you do cross the finish line, somebody, somebody goes, hey, so-and-so got that, you know, the privilege to have that. And you go, okay, if that's what you want to think, sure, but that's not going to get you any closer to your finish line. All right, let's go to pay transparency. And again, great interview. Chelsea does a great job of um, providing a good landscape here for Rachel to share a very good interview she's doing. And um, I don't know about Chelsea's podcast at all, uh, but I'd love to, uh, we're definitely going to keep it on the radar and check it out because she's doing a great job. Even, even, for, even for a Zoom interview, it's very high quality. Very high quality stuff. But we're kind of like, like three of us are all women of color. We're all creators now. And so last night we were literally just like sipping wine and talking about like how there's really not a lot of pay transparency as far as like mm. being a creator and stuff and being in the entertainment industry. And so I just love to talk about it anytime I came on the podcast because I'm just like, I feel like there's power in speaking about it and we don't like we have no idea what other people are getting paid a lot of times in like influencing. So like we were just talking about money and stuff. Um, and I, I asked them about you and I asked like what would because they're both fans of you. But I was like, wow. what would you want to hear from Rachel Lindsay? And they were like, I would love to hear about like how as a woman of color, you make sure that like you're getting paid what you're worth in the entertainment industry. Yeah, that wow. I mean, that's a great question. And I agree with you about pay transparency. Like you know, in, in some 
I wouldn't say it on a microphone because, you know, like, I, I don't know if my the other correspondent down the hall is getting paid <laughs> what I am. Yeah. But I would tell you on a one-off conversation. Right. And I think that there should be more than that because let's just say I make $20,000 on an Instagram post. Why would I not tell you that? That's not going to stop me from getting it. That's just going to let you know what you need to Well, Rachel, I'll tell you, it's because employers don't want us to know. So they've shamed us into not discussing our pay, our salary and all that. And actually, you know, I'm just remembering as I'm wrapping up this episode here that I did promise you guys I would give you some pay transparency. Tell you a little bit about the podcast. Um, I can't get into the specifics mainly because I don't have them offhand. But my podcast was something I've been meaning to do for a long time. You know, I've been making good money on the YouTube channel. And by doing the podcast, it is for sure pulled people away from the YouTube channel, but it's really diversified my income stream. You know, you know, sometimes, you know, YouTube had the adpocalypse back in the day where uh, creators that were making money one day, all of a sudden they weren't the next and, you know, those things happen. So by starting the podcast, it was really my way of just diversifying into different revenue streams. Well, when I began in end of October, early November, I was probably making two, three, five bucks a day on the podcast. I wasn't really sure how to monetize it, what I was doing, but that quickly turned into like $40 a day. And you're like, oh shoot, that's actually a good little extra boost of revenue. And I switched to a new podcast platform in March. So it's kind of hard to compare the numbers before and after. But my first month in March, the podcast on the programmatic ads, the ads that are baked into the podcast that are like produced by someone else, that started, that made 1100. And I was like, okay. And then April, I think it made 1900. I was like, okay. And then May, I think hit 3000 and June might be on pace for four. So it's, it's, it's been trending upwards. It's been trending upwards in a good way. I say that to all of you just to say, look, if there's something you want to talk about or content you want to create, you just got to work at it. You got to find something you love talking about, get as educated as possible and Google and do some research on how to be a good performer and, and, and whatever that is. And again, I'm still sort of new, you know, in the early stages of that in my career, I hope to do this for a very long time. And I try to get better. And I listen to some of the constructive criticism. And I try to avoid some of the other criticism. And I try to be goofy and all that. But I'm here to tell you that there is a, an avenue for somebody like me who was not verified by The Bachelor. I had no Instagram following when I started this. It's been a long time. It's been a long time in the making. It's not easy. But if you enjoy uh, building something and creating or whatever. And I'm telling you right now, slide in my DMs if you want any more questions about it. But um, there's there's always, and people say, oh, there's aren't there enough Bachelor shows out there? Absolutely. But there's always room for a new slice of the pie. And I want to thank you guys for making that possible. You've made it so that I can do more podcasts while I travel. And because you guys have been so committed to listening to my show, it's really given me the chance to invest in that show and keep on making the quality better and better. So once again, I appreciate all of you. We're down to our final four or five days before the season starts. So let's just enjoy the rest of barrel scraping season. Starting Monday, June 26th, we're going to have a lot to talk about. In the meantime, barrel scraping it is. I've been Dave Neal, and this was Bachelor Rush Hour. <laughs> <laughs>